0: Thank you Jesus. OK, well, Galatians three, 23 is where we're going. I, I'm going to talk to you about freedom and equality for all. But especially women. It's basically the, It's basically the title. So a lot of the room's already excited the other gender part of the room are going to enjoy this as well all right really in fact this is more for men than women today <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and just at the beginning of this I want to say we di- I did a big chunk of teaching that is on our website about the whole issue of uh, the, the role of, of women, particularly in the church, and to some degree family, if you want a deeper theological unpacking of some of the difficult texts, then you need to go there. I don't plan to do that this morning. I've already done it, and, and that's a kind of backstop reference if you, if you want to look at some of those things. <clears throat> this, this morning, really, we've, we've been on a journey and I still are on a journey into freedom um, and equality and that's kind of exciting and, and I just want to dive right in here Galatians 3 is, which version is on the computer? Yeah, okay. alright well let's read off there because I've got uh, ESV in mind so before this faith came we were held prisoners by the law locked up until faith should be revealed so the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That is one of two Jewish ears that is one of the most radical scriptures in the New Testament. Um, <clears throat> the, 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 the old covenant was made with, first started off with Abraham and it was made through circumcision, which <clears throat> it follows therefore, <laughs> it was with a man <laughs> and the line of inheritance of that covenant was through men and most of you are old enough to know why (laughs) okay Um, (laughs) there's neither Jew nor Greek there's neither slave nor free there's no male or female circumcision meant the covenant was primarily administered and made with a man and through men one of the radical things that happens here is it the, the, the sign, if you like, one of the signs of the New Covenant, of you entering in the New Covenant, isn't that you get circumcised, but you get baptised. And women get to play too. Yeah? So it isn't just the men getting baptised, which is in this scripture is referring to that, that we're all baptised. We're all sons. It's not gender specific and to you needed to be to be in the old covenant actually you needed to be a blood descendant of Abraham hence all the kind of huge detail particularly in the old testament of uh, the kind of the lineage of people because it was very important who your dad was and now you could be adopted in you could get proselytes but it was a rare and difficult process the, the, the view was you had to be born an Israelite physically and that you were traceably one and by implication you were not a slave God delivered the Israelites from slavery in Exodus when he took them out of slavery and into freedom and into their own land it was possible to become a slave in that culture if you became lost everything and then sold yourself for service but actually built into the law was a redemptive clause to get you out of that after a certain number of years it was not God's plan for his people the people of Israel the people of the old covenant to be slaves the covenant was made with men and passed on through men and to be significant women had to be married to a man who was all right who was the carrier of the covenant So you weren't slaves, you needed to be a blood descendant and you needed to be a guy to be fully in all the juicy goodness of the Old Covenant. Yeah? So this verse is a wrecking ball to that thinking. Because it says in Christ, the Jew and Greek or the Jew-Gentile division is gone like that. You don't need to be a blood relative. You just need to be a person of faith. Crash. There's no slave or free. Th- these were the great dividing issues of, of the first century. Sla- slavery and free men, male and women, Jews or Greeks. And in Christ, all those barriers, all those dividing walls come crashing down. Simply this by faith anyone in any estate of any race and any gender can connect and be a son with all the full rights of the inheritance of any of the other sons in that faith group we are all co-heirs with Christ slaves don't get less women don't get less, Greeks don't get less Or more. We're all co There's been a massive demolition of all the dividing walls because of the cross and the resurrection. Awesome. Now everyone is a son because of Christ. Baptism is not gender, race or social status orientated. It's blind to that all heaven sees is your faith doesn't see your gender doesn't look at you whether you're rich or poor whether you're self-employed or, or working in the sort of hamster wheel of a, a large corporation you're all sons of God with equal inheritance So freedom isn't just for some, but for all. And I think it's Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela, I don't have the exact quote. But he basically said something like this. While someone isn't free, we're all not free. It's not enough that every, to have a free group and an unfree group. That means actually the freedom of the free group is inhibited. True freedom means everybody gets to be free. And later in Galatians, we don't need to turn this up, in Galatians 5 it actually says, it's for freedom Christ has set us free. What a great phrase. And the issue at stake actually in Galatians was the application of the law, i.e. circumcision, particularly was the issue in the Galatian letter. And so as soon as you allow that to come in, all these previous barriers start to become rebuilt, including the man-woman thing. But Paul is saying, for everybody, there is freedom. Men and women. And the guys think, yeah, cool, we're all free. But lots of the women go, hmm, not sure how free I really am. (sighs) I might change the order of this. We'll get there. No, let me go, let me talk about Jesus. It's always good to talk about Jesus. It's safe to talk about Jesus. Jesus, um, I'm going to get ahead of myself otherwise. Jesus, Jesus was great, wasn't he? Okay. I make some safe points right now. Jesus was great. He loved everybody. I think, when people look at this issue they look at Jesus and they say things and I've, I've I, listen I've been on a massive journey with this alright so I'm absolutely moved from one side of this coin to another I'm a, I'm a, re, a reborn you know just crazy thoughts Yeah. I was a complementarian, now I'm an egalitarian if you don't know what that means don't worry about it <laughs> um So Jesus was—he manifested God perfectly, but he didn't do everything he needed to do. You're like, well, well, think about it. Jesus restricted his ministry to Jews mostly, apart from one or two occasions where he spoke very dishonoringly to Gentiles who wanted something from him, because his mission was to the Jews was to Israel he was very clear about that but what he left his disciples to do and his apostles to do was to take this to the ends of the earth so he didn't go to the ends of the earth he restricted himself to Israel despite what he accomplished at the cross releasing what he did to Jews Greeks and Gentiles so he did he didn't have any slaves on his team And in fact, for centuries and centuries slavery was seen as okay and there is slavery is in the Bible. It's not particularly approved of or disproved of, it's just there, it's accepted because it was in the culture. But now, you know, in the early eighteen hundreds there was huge campaigns to see slavery slave trade abolished and then slavery itself abolished. And now no one thinks slavery is a good thing or it's biblical. And Jesus set that in motion. By setting captives free and giving sight to the blind. He was basically for freedom. And what Paul was writing here is basically for freedom and giving everyone equal equality and freedom. Are you following me? Jesus didn't free any slaves, but we all believe slaves should be free. And that slavery is demeaning and dehumanizing and oppressive because it's, it disempowers people. Yeah? Yeah. Jesus had no women on his team. But he did radical things to and with women in their culture, which often we don't understand. For example, the story of Mary and Martha. Martha's busy making food that no one asked for. And Mary is seated at Jesus' feet. Now, because we don't culturally understand what was going on, and Martha saying, "Mary, Mary, you should be in here helping me." Remember the story that Jesus tells. Now we read it with our cultural glasses on, and we, we've heard. We, I've preached it. We've heard it preached. Oh, it's about Mary's, Mary's. chose the best, better thing. That's to sit and rest at the feet of Jesus rather than be busy in the kitchen. That isn't the primary, uh, the primary teaching of that story. But because we don't understand the culture, we don't understand. Only men sat at the feet of the rabbi. Only men. Women's place was kitchen. Men was in the other room with the rabbi sitting at his feet. Mary chose the better thing, Jesus said, which was to violate the cultural code of the day and sit at the rabbi's feet and learn. What was happening with Martha was not saying, I'm desperate for help to prepare the food, She's saying, ah, you should be in here, not in there. You crossed a cultural boundary, and Jesus is approving of it. So he sowed the seeds, did Jesus. When he spoke to uh, the woman at the well, just to speak to a woman in public should not have happened, let alone a Samaritan woman, let alone a woman with a history. But he, he walked straight over that cultural barrier and started to speak life and freedom into this woman and ignored his need for lunch, which for a man is a huge thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to suggest to you that he set in train a whole lot of thinking and activity and freedom momentum that has broken out since. So the gospel has gone to the Gentiles. We wouldn't be sitting here. But Jesus never went. Freedom has come to slaves, although Jesus didn't free a slave. And I believe freedom is coming to women, although Jesus didn't have a leadership woman on his team. He certainly violated cultural norms to empower women, recognize women. And after all, without a woman, he would not have been born. There was no male involvement in the birth of Jesus. The purpose of God... For all eternity rested in the womb of a woman called Mary. God entrusted the reconciliation of mankind, the restoration of the planet and the universe to a woman. And he actually said to his disciples, I've got many more things to say to you, but you can't bear them yet. And, and you get the sense that he, he could have, Jesus could have created a revolution. He could have actually. Lots of people think he was a politician, still, but he wasn't. But if he'd started going after slaves, started going after the woman issue, he would have definitely been a politician. And that's not what he primarily came to do. But he had many things to say, many things to reveal that they, they didn't get and they couldn't carry that have since been filled out by the by the apostles and even the teaching in the New Testament after the resurrection of Jesus. <clears throat> the world that we have grown up in for millennia, I would suggest to you, it's primarily been a patriarchy. I.e. it's run by men. And that's true now, even though there's been years of, you know, trying to, trying to bring equality for women, equality of pay, get more women in the boardroom. I'm just looking at, actually the surveys are, there's a few more women getting into those senior positions, but they're still not paid as much as men. And you go back through history, the power has rested in the hands of the male of the species. That's just how that's called patriarchy, blokes rule. And, and I want to just turn to if you can find Genesis three, sixteen. I want to show you the origin of patriarchy. gonna say something easy like Jesus loves you, you still because I, I can hear the, the gears whirring and ticking in some of you so in in the in the judgment and, and the curse after Adam and Eve had eaten the, the forbidden fruit in the garden God says to the woman I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing with pain you'll give birth to children your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you that's where patriarchy came, at the fall, at the curse. Men ruling women. If you could go to Genesis 1, 26 to 28, God's original plan was not patriarchy. It's 26, verse 26. 1, chapter 1, 26 to 28. And God said, let us make man in our image in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move on the ground. So rulership in the hands of men. Keep going. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The full reflection of the God of heaven is a man and a woman called man. So God created man in His own image, in each the image of God He created him. Man and female created them. Next verse: God blessed them and said, "Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground." So He made He made man in His image, and man in His image was a man and a woman, who He gave the job of ruling over the the planet. All right, that's what that's that's the original plan in the heart of God he created a male-female partnership to bring government to the earth not to rule over one one another in the fall something happens and it's men are going to dominate the women just smile at me if you're happy so far that's the source of patriarchy but patriarchy isn't heaven's blueprint so freedom freedom is is a kingdom of God issue it's an apostolic issue to bring freedom and identity and equality to everybody Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, men and women because there's a call back to the blueprint of heaven that is going out around the planet right now that is empowering for men and women So this is not getting freedom for women at the expense of men. This is everybody gets to be free, and then we're all better off for it. Now remember, freedom. our definition of freedom has changed and developed. For a lot of us, freedom is simply to be set free from. So we're set free from the power of the devil. We're set free from the power of sin. Set free from the consequences of sin, etc., etc., hallelujah. But free from isn't the whole deal. We're free to be. So I use the illustration, to get let out of jail is freedom, isn't it? You've been in jail five years, and they let you out the front door of the d- jail in a new suit of clothes with 50p in your pocket, and they slam the door behind you, you're free. Yeah. But how far can you go with that freedom? As far as 50p will take you, or whatever it is, you know, tenor, or whatever they give you, you're you do not have unlimited options at that moment, do you? And I think maybe that's why you get lots of repeat offenders, because at least inside things were provided for, they knew what to do, etc., etc. Because they're not, they're free from their penalty, but they're not free to be. They're not free to become the prime minister or go to university. But actually in the kingdom of heaven, he frees you from the constraints of sin and the penalty of sin, etc., etc., free to be powerful sons and daughters who change a planet because we're connected to Heavenly Father's infinite resources. So if we close doors to any part of that family, we're actually restricting the freedom that Jesus bought for them. You say, well, I'm freer than you, so I could be this but you are not allowed to be this because I'm a guy and you're a woman. Is this this slowly making sense? (laughs) So patriarchy is men are in charge. And men in charge will give women a lot of freedom but often they won't give them keys to the boardroom, keys to the eldership meeting. It's hard to give power away when you've had it for a long time. But if you permanently forbid any part of society access to the main levers of power, it becomes oppressive over the long term. Because you're actually saying through some set of rationale, you could never be this even if that call is in your heart, that desire is in you, you are equipped to be that. You're saying that is forbidden. You are not allowed to dream, aspire to do that or access those places of influence and authority. And the church has been brilliant at doing that to women for hundreds and hundreds of years. You can look after the children. You can maybe lead a small group You can do all the administration, but you can't actually be in the room where the big decisions are made. Because you're a woman. Eventually that says, and that's become, in the theological thinking of lots of Christians, women are in there because God says they're not allowed to be there. And the reason he says they're not allowed to be there is because they're not equipped to be there. So the second effect of long-term prohibition is actually a reduction in your sense of, of who a woman is and who she can be. Because you've limited, she can be only to this point where a man has everything, every opportunity. Are are you? These things, the effect of that on women guys because we we've never experienced that men so we're like well it's cool we're okay I could be prime minister if I don't fancy it it's not for everybody is it but actually you could be if you could get voted and you could but for centuries women have looked at the church and like well even if I fancied it there's no way I could be in the senior leadership decision-making smoke-filled rooms. The hallowed halls of power of the church. <laughs> and slowly, slowly what you do is you suffocate women and their aspirations. And you promote this slightly negative view of what they are and aren't capable of. Because there's got to be a reason why they're not allowed in there. It's because they're the weaker vessel or they're too emotional. or. Yeah. <laughs> and so to gain influence, women have resorted to control and manipulation, which has then reinforced the male view that women are dangerous and should not be allowed into the hallowed halls of power. <laughs> Well, they're just too manipulative. Well, that's because we're not giving them any power. And it, some, people, some people are wired to have influence. You can't rub it out of them. You can't tell them to submit it to death. That's their calling. That's their nature. That's what they're made like. And we've been killing women with that wiring for centuries. I don't mean physically killing them. I mean on the inside, shriveling them up. Guys. We're okay. We we could be prime minister. We could be an elder. We could be a senior church leader if we wanted to be, and we had the gift. Can can you see the point I'm making? But we've said no because you're you're a girl. And what have we put into our young girls? What have we called them to aspire to be? There's a big test there as families. What have we said to them as they're growing up? Well, you could be a mum. You could change the world by being a parent and that's absolutely great and true but how about stirring them up to break through in China and lead a Holy Spirit radical movement into the Middle East oh no the blokes do that why not women (laughs) by and large a lot of men are scared of women I've been a man as long as most of you and longer than some. (laughs) In fact, I've been a man as long as I've been alive. (laughs) And we've been married nearly 34 years. She is beautiful. I don't quite understand her yet. (laughs) But this is where this gets scary for women. If all the, all the trump cards are still in the hands of the guys, because we don't understand them, it means we don't have to give them away. Well, you're just you're scaring me. I'm going to keep all my key decision-making powers because I don't understand you, and that means I'm scared of you. <clears throat> this is good for you guys. Just, just keep going with me here. I believe if we give genuine access and a genuine hearing to women and let them be powerful, that will reduce their level of anxiety. They'll become freer and stronger people and you won't get some of the manipulative controlling stuff that we're afraid of. They're not being given freedom and those that want to influence are finding outlets that are not always healthy. And then we're telling them off for doing it. Even among those who have walked this walk before me and before us and and have believed that women could be in leadership in church particularly, there is a paucity of actual practitioners practitioners and good examples particularly in church leadership in the west we're really thrilled that Heidi Baker is leading a whole movement in Africa (laughs) we're really thrilled that Jackie Pullinger has seen incredible breakthrough in Hong Kong We rejoice that they're leading magnificently and dying and bleeding on the mission field. We're even willing to say, go, yeah, establish, you know, a a radical parachurch group and go lead that. But have real power in the church is still rare despite people being on this walk for a long time. And that's because there is still this residual think- patriarchal thinking despite a theological shift in perspective. And I believe God's calling us to change that. Yes. Just, just put it out there. Um, and, and many others too. And guys, we hold the key to this because we have all the cards. Oh, we've had all the cards we've had it in marriage we've had it in church and for a lot of time we've had it in business and and we have this sort of trump card which is I'm the head of the household slam I'm the leader of the church now we do it nicely now because we've learned grace <laughs> I'm graciously the boss I'm a benevolent dictator Danny Silk preaches a great message on, on Joseph and Mary. Mary who the angel appears to her and says, You're basically you're going to carry the hope of mankind in your womb and God is going to make you pregnant. What a story to tell people. I mean like who's going to believe that? And Joseph is about to put her away, but he has a dream and God speaks to him and basically he has to protect this woman that he is betrothed to and not have sexual relations with her the whole period of of this pregnancy. And he has to look after her and make it happen for her so that she can carry the purpose of God for the planet and give birth to the Savior of the world. If he hadn't spoken up for her, she'd have been toast. She should have been stoned because no one's going to believe it was God that made you pregnant. she was having sex outside of wedlock that's, that's the story he had to stand up in order that she could be she could fulfill the purpose of God and he had to keep his hands off things he wanted to have his hands on for a season in order for that to come to pass that's a lot of strength in a man I'm just putting it out there. This is the Bible I'm talking about. You read the story. So, guys, we are in a really strong place here to help our wives and our powerful women get free and get powerful. And it's going to help us if we ditch a few catchphrases and attitudes that go with them. Like, it's just the time of the month. And I appeal to you, ladies, be kind to your men. <laughs> <We> are. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are. But for some, this may be the first time that this penny has dropped. That's what I'm. What I'm saying. It's just. It's just women. In women's intuition. Women are emotional, sensitive, touchy-feely creatures. And what, we, what we're saying in all this is this, this emotional thing is inferior to our slightly cooler, more rational approach to life. Intuition is suspect because it's not based on reason or any presentable fact. So it's inherently suspect and inferior. That's a male-based perspective. And we've ruled the roost for so long, we've forgotten how to change that perspective and include another approach. So, so right here, we, as we were talking to you, we've got Jan Treadgold is part of our senior leadership team. She currently does not want to become an elder because all, what she's seen as elders is these sort of hallowed halls of power dominated by men who do it manly through men's paradigm. And we're still trying to figure out what does a man-woman thing look like. Do you, do you see what I mean? So actually... We need intuition. Do you remember at the beginning, God made male and female that represented Him. If we start cutting out this emotional, sensitive, intuition part—that I mean—it's not exclusive to women, but this tends to be the way men think about women. All right, that's what I'm going for. Then we're losing part of the Godhead on the planet. Just because we don't understand it, we don't work like that. Doesn't mean it's invalid. It's really helpful to have people who are more emotionally in touch with who they are and where they're at. Most guys realize what they felt about a traumatic event three months after it happened. (laughs) And and there's a strength in that. There's a design in that. But it's really helpful to have some people around who are in touch with what's going on when it's going on. Do You see, it's a good team... It's a team approach. It's not one's better than the other. It's different and they're meant to be complementary and work together. I'm in danger of actually using caricatures, but I'm trying to demolish something in our thinking, guys particularly, and in our attitudes. Because these sort of things are used to undermine a woman's credibility and this is actually how God's made women to be. He's not made them to be like men. Hallelujah. But then we have to value what they bring to the party as much as we value what any guy brings to the party and not have some sort of jokey way of undermining it because it's that's just a woman thing. Do, do, do you see what... We'll, this is stuff we're, we're trying to learn as we allow and raise up powerful men and women in our in our environment. We want them to happen fully as women, not have to be men to happen. So that's the other thing that happens is that these environments are so dominated by male thinking in a male environment that women succeed in them by becoming more like blokes. And that's not the plan. The plan is that he made them male and female to represent him and to rule the planet. As a partnership, two powerful people powerfully ruling the earth. Not one powerful person ruling, a slightly less powerful person than ruling the earth. This is going reasonably well. Um, families, it is proven, do way better with a mom and a dad. If you look at that verse in Genesis 1, actually the whole of creation was made to be parented. It was made to be mommed and dad, dadded. It was made to experience a display of the true nature of the Godhead through an equal partnership of two powerful people, a man and a woman, happening to creation. It's really hard for men to mom and dad a church or a home. It's actually really hard for women to mom and dad a Actually, as we see women come into their powerful role as mums in a church environment, I think it's going to release men to be more like men because a lot of the time when it's just male dominated, there's a bit of you that's trying to do be mum and dad to the church and you can't, I'm a bloke and you're, you're, you need the, the complementary strengths and gifts that come with the member of the opposite sex, is that making sense to anybody? so we need to find out what a man-woman culture is not a woman culture or a man culture which means taking some risks letting people be powerful letting them do their thing letting women come through and being free and being significant and honoring them so here's here's a few tips just to land this we do have increasingly in in, in this church women that are doing a fantastic job of leading stuff uh, and being influential and and carrying the church forward and there will be more and and at first when I wrote this tip I wrote down men should respond to women leaders with equal weight but actually men and women because this is true we're also trained often to respond to the guy who's in charge Actually, men and women need to learn to respond with equal respect and weight whether the person that's leading you is a man or a woman. We need to get gender blind on this issue. I won't take it so seriously because it's just so-and-so and she's a woman. No, she's a gifted leader in this church. You don't have to wait for the men to say it. Hallelujah, hallelujah! I felt that one land. So, what we're looking for is not is to get to a place where we're not doing the man woman thing at all when it comes to leadership and gifting. We're just looking holy spirit. We're doing the Holy Spirit thing. So, we change our lenses. We change that. Take one set of glasses off. We say, "Oh, that's a man. He must be important." Oh, that's a woman. She's like less important. we put glasses on and go, that person has Holy Spirit all over them. That's important. They, they experimented. Uh, I think this is in Danny Silk's book, uh, In Powerful and Free, and I really encourage you all to read it. And in, they, in doing, um, you don't do an interview for an orchestra. You don't do a rehearsal, an audition, that's the word I'm looking for. Auditions for orchestra, orchestras, they decided in order to try and bring about a greater sense of equality in choosing new members of orchestra to do the auditions uh, behind a screen so that the, it would be purely judged on the, the skill and the ability of the player, not the sex. Yeah? The fruit of that was that way more women got recruited to orchestras. And that, that, you know, translate that into church. We need to be looking at the sound that the Holy Spirit is making through a person, not saying, oh, it's a man or a woman or it's a. There's no. There's not a female Holy Spirit and a male Holy Spirit. There's not a junior Holy Spirit and a senior Holy You know, there's not like a kiddie Holy Spirit either. God can speak to you and transform my life through a child because it's, yeah. it's all Holy Spirit. So we need that sort of screen to go up so that we're listening to Holy Spirit, not, not gender, race, age, etc. And, and, and another tip, ask Holy Spirit to highlight any areas in us of unhelpful stereotyping that's in you about the opposite sex. Or is used as a tool in you to undermine their credibility to you and your decision-making processes. Ladies, women, believe hope. We're on a journey. Resort to the Holy Spirit and brave communication. Don't pull out those old tools. Believe you don't have the need to have the other stuff to have a voice we want this to be a place where everybody's free where everybody gets to have a voice, now obviously church is growing, not everybody can have equal say in every decision in the church, that's not what we're talking about what we're talking about is recognising people who are equipped and gifted to lead regardless of gender being given the opportunity and being given the credibility to go and do that there is hope and, and I'm, I'm I'd I'd want to put it out. I'm sorry. I promoted a theology and a practice that I believe ultimately was demeaning to women. But I had to step through the other side to realize that was the case. And for what it's worth, I want to apologize to all the ladies in this room for promoting that and doing that. I have entertained some of the unhelpful attitudes that I've talked about. And I'm very sorry and I want you to forgive me. Guys, let's be powerful for these incredible women. Let's usher in, who knows, it could be women that God uses to change the planet in an extraordinary way. What I suspect he's doing Is is evening the balance, so actually the planet is changed by powerful men and women doing it together, Um, rather than oh suddenly now it's the women's turn. And Nelson Mandela, if if you, when he got released from prison in South Africa after many years of apartheid, refused to allow. So the majority of the people in South Africa are blacks, but they were all ruled by the whites, and there was complete segregation. The blacks had no rights. The blacks had poorer schools, if any, poorer opportunities. They were allowed to mingle or mix, and it was oppressive and it was horrible. Nelson Mandela and many like him, with the ANC, campaigned for the black vote and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And when he got let out, and he got made the 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 president of South Africa he refused to allow revenge to be taken so like suddenly now the blacks have power and some of them wanted to take it out on the whites the way the whites had taken out on them and such was the integrity and strength of this man he said no we can't do that because of the principle that if we now oppress them then we're not free So I'd like to suggest to you that what we're proposing here is that we all get free and enjoy doing it together. And then the planet will see what God intended right back at the beginning, see men and women representing the image of God in in equal authority and equal freedom. Thank you, Jesus. I do believe that actually the church is going to show the world because there's lots of issues that, that come on this um, that the world is trying to figure out and hasn't I think God's going to give us incredible downloads and wisdom on how this can actually function for, for, for women to do their thing powerfully and uh, then the world will be asking us we're going to be leaders in liberation all right, I'm 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 done. <laughs>